a Barclay Damon Live broadcast where we discuss all things L&E, labor, and employment. I'm Ari Kwiatkowski. Let's dig in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to medical plan coverage during a leave of absence. Today, we are going to tell you everything you need to know in the benefit space in terms of employees taking leaves, the types of leaves, and really, we're going to get um, a good breakdown of what you should be keeping in mind as an employer or manager during uh, that period of time. I am thrilled to welcome Art Merapiz to the podcast. Art is a partner in our Buffalo office. He has extensive experience drafting employee benefit plan documents. He regularly advises plan sponsors and insurers and health plan service providers on issues about ERISA, COBRA, um, and I think he's the perfect person to kind of demystify <laughs> these topics for us. So Art, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Art. I appreciate it. Happy to have Definitely you. Here. So, yeah. um, you know, I think Art, as you know better than me, um, with these types of issues, I think uh, our clients, business owners, HR people are get a little bit confused, understandably, and we really need you to kind of help us and break it down. So let's dig right in. Art, I think it would be helpful if you could talk a little bit about um, the types of leave that that come up in the context of this conversation, just to kind of give our listeners a primer. Right. Thanks, Ari. So the questions that you'll be asking, I would imagine, and the the issues I'm going to address during the course of this have to uh, differ depending on the type of leave that that the employee is is taking. Uh, obviously, and I think most of our people know, uh, our clients, that, that Family Medical Leave Act is a, is a federally protected, job-protected leave act. So we'll be talking about the rules that apply for FMLA leaves. Um, then we have in New York, New York paid family leave. Again, job-protected leave under New York state law. Uh, there are health coverage issues associated with that type of leave as well. And, and if you have employees in other states, there may be other state law mandates similar to that that you're going right. to need to consider, you know, in connection with your leave policies. And then finally, you know, the other, what I will call other company approved leave, which are not job protected leaves. They're, and they can come up in different ways. For example, the employer is not subject to the FMLA, for example, doesn't have enough employees or the employee is not eligible for FMLA at the time, you know, the leave begins. Maybe the leave extends beyond the protected period. This is not uncommon. Employers often do that uh, where where federally or state mandated job protected uh, protected leave ends and they continue to administer the plan as if the employee were actively um, employed after the end of the mandated leave Uh, or other company sponsors leave leaves as we've discussed. For example, the most common, I think, that I run into is educational leaves. Um, So those are the types of leaves we're going to be addressing. All right. Perfect. Thanks, Art. And could you give our listeners just a little bit more context and I I think um, advise why why should we care about this topic? Why is this an issue um, for employers? Because I think when employees go out on these, the types of leaves you mentioned, Art, it can be confusing in terms of you know, what what to do. Okay. Well, first of all, federal law, Arissa, that you mentioned at the beginning requires um, plan documents, summary plan descriptions, and most clients in the welfare, health and welfare space have what we call wrap documents, you know, should be addressing this, you know, um, so that employees know what their rights are. I mean, that's a big a push, you know, under federal law, uh, make sure employees know what their rights are um, at any given time. But it's also a critically important, and, and I'll indicate where this applies with the course of, you know, our discussion, um, for COBRA purposes, it's, 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 a, it's really important to know which type of leave you're on. Um, and it's important to know that because, in particular, if you're self-insured, because of stop-loss considerations. Um, and I'm not going to get into that. I think people have self-insured plans and they know right. what stop-loss insurance is, but you want to make sure that you're not doing something 
contrary to COBRA in your leave of absence administration, because you could, in that case, prejudice your right to recover from the stop loss carrier if you have an employee that is, you know, uh, accumulating, you know, excessive uh, claims. So, so it's 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 important for employee expectations. It's important to be uniform to treat every employee uh, who is similarly situated in a uniform fashion. And and it's important because um, you're you need to make sure that if you're doing something that's not a default, if you will, uh, you need to make sure your carrier insurance carrier is on board. In, in particular, stop loss carrier. Great, thanks, Art. I think that's helpful, and I'm glad you're kind of demystifying these uh, topics for us. So, Art, let's kind of start at the beginning. Um, you know, let's say that we have an empl- an employer has an employee who is who is taking a leave. Can you kind of just walk us through what that process looks like from the benefit side of things, and what the employer needs to do and keep in mind? All right. Well, one of the key questions there, um, or there are a number actually of key questions that come up when an employee, you know, is um, about to go on a leave. Um, first of all, does the employee have the right, you know, to continue active coverage during the leave? I mean, the same coverage that the employee had before mm-hmm. or as the day before the leave. And and the answer really very simply is yes, if the leave is job protected. So FMLA leave, um, New York um, State paid family leave, um, employers are required to offer coverage on the same terms and conditions to employees on those kinds of leaves um, as they um, in, in both situations where it's job protected. Uh, this means that the employee can't, for example, be required to pay more. Okay. It's also um, uh, now if the leave is not protected, the employer has a couple of options. All right. The employer can say that coverage is lost at that point. Employee is no longer eligible, and and this is a typical default requirement for stop loss carriers. You know, they recognize that once an employee is no longer actively employed uh, and they're entitled to COBRA, then you you need to put them on COBRA. Most employers don't do that, okay? They don't put people on COBRA at the beginning of a leave, even if it's yeah. not job protected. Right. Uh, so, um, and that's the other option, obviously. You you would treat the leave um, the same way you would treat a job protected leave and continue it for a period of time or throughout the term of the leave on the same terms and conditions as if um, the person was still actively employed. But if you do that, and this is what I said at the outset, you need to make sure that your insurance carriers are on board with that. You know, most carriers will permit it, um, so it's not an issue. But if you don't allow for it, if you don't communicate that, if you don't get a, a buy-in by right. the carrier, in particular, like a stop-loss carrier, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where claims are denied because you're extending COBRA in that case. So you've got the period of the leave where they're not working. If they don't return from the leave, then COBRA applies. And so your plan documents need to cover that. That's when, you know, at the end of the leave is when, in that case, if it's not job protected, that you give the notice and that the election rights come up and that the 18-month or 36-month period begins. So you can see that you're you're obligating your plan to pay in a situation, in a leave of absence situation, a lot longer period of time of coverage than what would otherwise be the case under law in a a non-job protected leave. Yep. I think that's really a really helpful explanation, Art, because I think, um, you know, asking those kinds of questions and thinking about those issues before the employee is going to take leave right at the outset probably prevents a lot of issues um, down the road, as you mentioned. Right. Right. And, and the key is documentation, as I mentioned, um, in your SPDs um, to make sure whatever scenario you choose for a leave that is not job protected is specified you know, in your documents. Um, now, um, I guess another question that comes up, Ari, a lot um, 
do employees have the right to drop health care coverage during the leave period? And, and if it's job protected, the answer is yes, but it's not necessarily the case for um, leaves of absence that are not job protected. Uh, okay. So uh, those those will depend on the cafeteria plan and the circumstances of, of the leave. So uh, that's really all I should need to say about that. It, it, it can get fairly involved in that situation in a non-job protected leave scenario. Uh, because of the cafeteria plan rules. But um, again, the short answer is if it's a protected leave, yes, they can drop coverage. If it's not, depends on the cafeteria plan. Got it. So, Art, can you walk us through um, termination of coverage generally under these situations? Sure, sure. Um, so, um, I guess one way to start that discussion is, you know, what happens uh, during the leave if it's continued in terms of payment of premiums? Right. And can that result in you know, a failure to pay? Can that result in a cancellation of coverage? And there are really, I think, three ways that employers handle premium payments during a leave of absence. If it's job protected, you can do prepay. So everybody pays up front pre-tax out of some final paycheck before leave or they pay as you go, you know, or um, or they catch up. You know, many employers do that where the employer fronts, you know, the employer contribution and the employee contribution during the period of leave. And so um, one of the question that, that comes up around termination most often is what if an employee fails to pay, mm -hmm. you know, during the course of the leave? And the employers in any case, whether it's a protected or job or non-job protected leave, can cancel coverage. Okay. Um, you always are required to pay your premium if you have a share of premium. Uh, and that's the, you know, that's the payment method the employer is using. So it can it can terminate at that point. Um now, for, for job protective leaves, though, um, you can't terminate it unless you meet certain notice requirements. So, for example, under FMLA, you know, you got, you know, you typically the late late date is 30 days, you know, late. Um, but you also have to provide a written notice uh, that has to specify the date that the coverage terminates. And that has to be given at least 15 days before the termination date. So that's something to keep in mind under FMLA. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's best practice, obviously, for uh, leaves that are not protected. So I would say always advance notice of when coverage is going to terminate. And for job protected leaves, 15 days in advance of that date. Now, um, the so, so I think that's what happens during the leave and how coverage can terminate at yep. that point. Um, what happens if an employee doesn't return from the leave? I think that's an important question regarding yeah. termination. Well, clearly at that point, if, if the leave is protected, um, then, and the employee doesn't re return, which uh, an employee is considered to return if the employee returns and then isn't employed for at least 30 days. But if they don't, in most cases, they'll, you know, they'll, you'll know they're not coming back. Um, then active coverage for a protective leave terminates on the last day of the leave, okay, or, or the end of that month. All right. So so for a job protected leave, that's the end date of coverage. That's when COBRA applies. So it runs from that date. So you give your notice at that point at the end of the leave. Um, now, if, if it's not a job protected leave and the coverage was continued, OK, again, the COBRA qualifying event date would be from the end of that leave. But remember what I said before, if you're using that option, in other words, if it's not a job protected leave, but you've continued coverage anyway, then then um, you need to get that uh, consent of your carrier because the 18 months is not running from the start of the leave. It's running from the end of it and it's not job protected. Right. Okay. So that's a key point. Um, and if if at that point the employee owes money because you've used the 
you know, you've advanced the, the premium. Well, uh, in that case, um, you can recoup it, you know, potentially out of, um, you know, PTO or, or other pay subject to applicable law. Again, I'm not a, an employment lawyer, so I'll leave that up to the employment yes. lawyers. Just how you can do that. Uh, but it, it, it is allowed under FMLA if it's allowed, for example, un, under state law. How can you collect it? Um, and that's that's an issue uh, when when someone doesn't return and, and their coverage is um, is terminated. So um, when, well, let's talk about, I guess, um, what happens if someone does return from a leave of absence, you know, whether it's a protected leave or, or, or a non-protected leave. If it's a return from a protected leave, it's on time, okay, the employee has the right to be reinstated in coverage. So we talked about, you know, the coverage being terminated. Right. You know, during the leave, for example, because they don't pay the premiums that that can happen. Um, but if it's protected leave, it, you know, coverage needs to be reinstated when they're reemployed with no waiting periods, basically in the same coverage they had before. Um, and that's true, too, if the employee is elected to drop coverage at the beginning of a protected leave. Again, they can jump back in, you know, at the end of the leave without right. having to wait, for example. Um if the leave is not protected, there's no automatic right to reinstatement. If they decline coverage or coverage is terminated during the leave, and then generally in that case, you know, if they're on COBRA, they're on COBRA. But if, if the coverage continued and they don't return from the leave, you know, uh, then um, they can be, you know, they, they don't have any necessarily have any election rights until the next open enrollment or some other change in status events. Right. Art, thank you so much. I, I think that's such a that was such a great rundown of you know the issues we mentioned at the beginning of the call as it relates to the types of leave. Um, you know, I, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and you and I were talking offline, and it, it comes up pretty often, is how these issues kind of interplay with the ADA. So, can you kind of talk about a little bit about that because I know you get a lot of questions about that. Yeah, we do get a, f a fair number of questions regarding the ADA. As you know, we've talked about mandated uh, laws that mandate. Uh, and to protect jobs and that mandate health coverage. Okay, right. uh, ADA does not. Okay, even though there are requirements, obviously, um, that you need, you know, accommodations that need to be made in certain situations. But the granting of health coverage, unless it's mandated by federal law, FMLA, or state law, for example, New York Paid Family Leave, um, then there is no requirement to offer coverage. Now, there could be issues with the Affordable Care Act, right. which we didn't get into. That's a whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> True. You know, um, what you need to do to avoid potential penalties. But um, but beyond that, there's nothing that mandates, you know, coverage. Uh, well, ADA, for example. So that's a question, you know, that we get. And that's my answer. Okay. I'm glad you hit on that, Art, because I, I think mm -hmm. that that definitely comes up quite a bit. Um, well, thank you so much. I think this was a great, concise summary of some of the, the issues that come up and things that employers and business owners need to be aware of. But before we go, Art, do you have any uh, last words of wisdom, we'll, we'll call it, or, or parting uh, parting wisdom this morning? Yeah, yeah. I think I think what I want to emphasize, and I have said this already throughout the you know the course of the podcast, um, your rules need to be in writing. Okay, that's under federal law, under ERISA. Um, it needs to be um, either separate leave policies that address benefit continuation, including not just medical, but all other types of leave uh, benefits, 
Um, and those um, can be incorporated into your summary plan description or you write them directly into your summary plan description. So documentation is important. Um, and it's also um, particularly important to document and to get the advance approval of your insurance carriers, in particular for self-insured employers, their stop-loss carriers. If you're doing something that grants more rights mm -hmm. to employees than what they are um, eligible for under federal or state law, okay? Because uh, stop-loss carriers, as a prime example, um, you're either you're either mandated, in which case they must cover you from a stop loss standpoint because coverage was required to you know to be continued under certain circumstances, or if it's optional, then they need to approve the optional method that you want to use to provide coverage during a leave of absence. Right. So documentation has to be in order, your plan documents, and you have to be very wary and um, keep track of the notice requirements, it sounds like. <laughs> Yeah, the notice requirements for uh, for your carriers, yes. um, because you don't want them to, you know, if, if I had actually had maybe a short, short story about this. And you can, yes. you know, um, you can take it for, for whatever it's worth. But early, <laughs> uh, I'd say a few years ago, maybe probably eight or nine years ago, we had a situation where an employer kept a seriously disabled employer on their health plan. Okay, the employer actually turned out to be terminal. They had cancer and um, they didn't keep them on the health plan through COBRA. So this was an employee who was hasn't hadn't been actively employed in in months, mm -hmm. and racked up as you can imagine a huge amount of of healthcare claims. Right. And when when we when the employer submitted for reimbursement of the healthcare claims they had paid above the stop loss limits, okay, the carrier initially denied it. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the carrier said this person should have been on Cobra, not carried forward as an as if he were he or she were an active, well, he in that case was an active employee. And that was scary because it was about a half a million dollars. Right. We ended up convincing the carrier to cover it anyway. And right. I won't get all the technical reasons <laughs> for it. It was based on an interpretation of their plan document, which was ambiguous, but which was good. Uh, so that's an example. It can happen. It's not likely to happen. I'm not trying to fear monger. Right. So, however, you know, that's what we do as lawyers. We help people manage, companies manage risks. Yes. That is one. Yes. And that's I think that story illustrates our, you know, the the exposure that there could be if you're not taking the proper steps, because, you know, what five hundred thousand dollars is it's a lot. of That's a cost. <laughs> that was a big, it was a big chunk. Yeah. And, and then, like I said, we ended up um, getting the employer reimbursed, you know, for those claims Great. expenses. But it was scary for a period of time. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Ari. I really appreciate you joining us today. And I know that our listeners appreciate it too, because, um, you know, this topic can be a little bit, I think, intimidating, which is understanding, understandable, in my opinion, as a non-benefits lawyer. But um, thank you so much again. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Ari. I appreciate it. Um, and if any of uh, the folks out there want, you know, additional information or, or more in-depth uh, coverage of it, they should let you know. And maybe we can do something in the form of a webcast. Absolutely. Sounds good. That. To our listeners, okay, thanks so much. We'll see you in a couple weeks. The Labor and Employment Podcast is available on BarkleyDamon.com, YouTube, and all your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Like, follow, share, and continue to listen. Thanks.